Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co-host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self-coaching, where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Lauren, are you my best coach? Uh, am I your best coach? I was thinking you were my best coach. Just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. Yeah, okay. As long as we're so, on the same so, so there's no confusion right, right from the beginning. <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about today? We are talking about, let me give you the formal title, okay? Sure. Maximizing your relationship effectiveness in marriages, partnerships, and friendships. Mm. Pretty good, right? That's very good. Very all-encompassing. Yeah. When I think of relationship effectiveness, you know, I wonder if, if there are people that that are frustrated with the fact that they're not living in this uh, this world of nirvana where everything just works out there's no conflicts no challenges is friction a part of every relationship do you think hmm. i would think to some extent yes but i also think that friction in relationships is a great gateway into understanding more about yourself don't they say that your partner or your friends can be like a mirror for you into understanding your own mm-hmm. self. They do, uh, and you're right. We 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 get that reflection back, and we can progress based on the uh, implicit and explicit feedback we get from our partner. But I, I going back to my question, you know, I, I I think that some people are disillusioned. You know, I really think that when there's conflict, they feel cheated. You know, they feel like. Well, you let, let me play a little song that, that will give you what I'm the person that enters a relationship with expectations of perfection. Let me play this song. Here's and I think it'll explain to you what I mean by those expectations, those lofty expectations that people have when they are either infatuated or they're getting involved in a relationship. Is that, that OK with you? Oh, yes. Can't wait to hear the song you picked. Well, I hope you like it. <laughs> we belong to a mutual admiration society I say, oh, you're the sweetest one I say, no, you're the sweetest one She claims that I'm a natural wit He says it's just the opposite The only fighting that we do is just who loves who more than who And we go on like that from night to dawn My baby and me, oh, we belong to a mutual society well there you go wow um, see Never now that's that one before that you know what that reminds me of i mean that kind of perfection where everything is just so great that's that's more of an infatuation and infatuation is that state of bliss but it's not it's not the same as true love with infatuation an infatuation isn't really love at all. It's a projection, if you will, of our desires and wants. And it's a projection of our soul onto another person. 
So it's really not the other person we're relating to, but to the ideal within us that gets projected. So it's it's the proverbial la-la land, and everything is perfect. The world becomes perfect. We're walking on air and clouds, and the birds sing better, and the sun shines brighter. That's infatuation. The reason I bring it up is because in longer-term relationships, people look back at that and say, why can't we recapture that? Why aren't we feeling what we felt when we first met? And, and that that kind of saddens me. I think Shakespeare had it right. I think that in Romeo and Juliet, these were two star-crossed, infatuated lovers. But for the play to be realistic, they had to die. Because to me, that symbolizes that, that infatuation must die if true love is to enter the picture. Um, um, are you following that or do you disagree? I know you have this mutual admiration society, but you are uh, you know, certainly bringing in a different element. I'm, I'm talking about the right now, the infatuations in an intimacy relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in intimacy, that's true. But there's a different stages. And the first one, the one of infatuation, you almost, like you say, need it to end in order to enter into something more realistic and last, long lasting. Yeah, and I also have learned of a practice that um, a Zen practice where every time you see your partner or whoever it is that you see daily to try and see them with fresh eyes every every experience. And obviously you can't do it all the time, but um, if you can remind yourself to try and meet this person each day, knowing that we are all changing and and to meet them without all of the past residue, like to mm. see see where they are today and almost imagine like you're meeting them for the first time and it allows you to be present with that person for who they are today and not who you think they should be or who they always have been and it brings a little bit of space for someone to be different than they were Mm -hmm. before yeah i love that it's absolutely true and i guess what i call it or have always called it is um, baggage that sometimes you know, we bring baggage from our own past into a relationship. But what you're saying is, is we even have relationship baggage, not past baggage, but baggage that is produced within the relationship. Someone going back, you know, to, well, you hurt my feelings three years ago, and, and we didn't go on that vacation two years ago. So there's relationship baggage, and there's personal baggage that we bring into a relationship. So the baggage is not seeing someone with fresh eyes. The baggage is when we contaminate what's in the present, what's in front of us with, you know, the negativity or past woundedness. And, and then what happens is that we, we really become kind of clouded as to our feelings. We may become defensive. We may become insecure. So baggage uh, is an important thing to get in touch with. And that's why I like what you're saying so much is that you know, to really be present is to kind of let go of those valises, just put them down and try to see through fresh eyes. Now, you're not saying being fresh, I'm sure. (laughs) No, no, no. No. Maybe you are. I don't know. Well, someone gave me advice right before I got married and said, um, the best thing to do is to remind yourself to choose your husband every day for the rest of your life. So reminding yourself that the relationships you have are a choice and um, to choose that person to be your object of attention. Hmm. 
as opposed oh. to just feeling like, you know, this is just how it is and sort of taking things for granted. It just changes the perspective a bit. I bet. I bet. You're taking things for granted. Yeah, boy, that's that's important. I guess in friendships, partnerships, marriages, you know, when when things go on and they're not fresh and new and infatuated, there is a, a kind of energy that needs to kind of stay infused in the relationship where things become stale. Would would you agree that things sometimes lack energy and we tend to get into kind of habituated patterns of, I don't know, just, just lethargy or disinterest? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think this last year with uh, everyone's COVID experience, if you were cohabitating with somebody, whether it be a partner or a friend, um, I think that trying to find ways to make it not feel mundane was probably a struggle for everybody, like finding ways to find new experiences with the person that you were living in small quarters with. Um, that gave a, its own sort of challenge, I think. Yeah, so you, you need to sometimes think out of the box, out of the bubble, as you might say. I know you always like bubble images. For us, I think play is something we, we try to incorporate um, with, with both my husband and, and my friends. It's this understanding of the, the need for play and creativity in life, because if it's always serious and it's always, you're always, you know, just um, doing things because they are mandated responsibilities of adulthood, then you miss out on so much of the joy in life. And, um, you know, lucky for me, I have a lot of friends that are teachers as well. And so we kind of are around that joyful childhood experience every day, but just to find ways to have fun with each other and, and to know that that's actually really important ingredient in any successful relationship is not just the serious. And, and that's, I guess that's humor too, you know, to, to once in a while just be playful and humor is an attempt to be playful, but we really need that in a relationship or it becomes too somber, right? This actually reminds me of a sculpture, a famous sculpture that I saw from the Burning Man Festival, where they're depicting the importance of inner children, because two inner children and two separate adult individuals are sort of longing to be connected to one another. And it shows two human adults back to back sitting with their head in their hands, almost showing this like inner turmoil. But inside of the adult sculptures are two little children that are like actually reaching out to one another and connecting through the sculptures. So it's showing that the inner children are desperate to find connection. And the adults are so stuck in their thinking with their head in their hands that they're actually missing out on this, this opportunity for like deep connection and, and joy. So it just kind of was a reminder of how we do all have this inner ability to find joy and happiness inside of us. But um, a lot of times we get in our own way. Hmm. Lauren, if you do not mind, I'd like to give one of my books a plug since it's relevant to what we're talking about. And the book was called Reconnecting, a self-coaching solution to revive your love life. And in the book, we have many different sections. And uh, so I'd like to refer to some of those and maybe you can contribute some along the way. The first one I would like to talk about would be, it's important to develop an us, US, us first attitude. 
The reason I say that is because I don't know. You probably don't know the comic strip strip Pogo. Do you, do you ever see that little critter? Pogo, no. He's a swamp little critter. I'm not sure if he's a baby alligator or something. But there's a very famous line from Pogo that says, "We have seen the enemy, and he is us." That we need to develop an us first attitude, us, U.S. In other words, our relationship, rather than seeing it as two separate individuals, the us part of us. You know, when two people come together in a relationship, you're bringing in two separate egos, and those egos meld together. And something really dynamic and, and amazing happens in that the two separate individuals become one, a we, an us. And you start to think not so much as an I anymore. I want this or I want that. You really start to think from a we perspective. What are we going to do? Where, where are we going to go on vacation? What are we going to eat tonight? And that dynamic is, is very, very important. So developing an us perspective, what do you think? I actually read a book that I loved and it, it actually described like your relationship as a bubble. So the inside of the bubble, there's, there's this safety that you create for one another, as long as you do have an us first attitude, like you were talking about. And the implications are that if you don't consider the other person as part of your sacred bubble that you don't want to pop, then, um, then there's no way to find like true peace for yourself either. So if your partner's feeling uncomfortable in a situation and you don't step up to help them through, then their discomfort will indirectly or directly affect your comfort. And so as you build this bubble together, you start to realize that the other person's um, feelings are equally as important as yours. Otherwise the bubble will pop. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's really very important. Because there is this relativity within a relationship that, you know, we're, we're not in a vacuum. And, and, and that's why when you say what, what you do affects your partner and vice versa, uh, you're, you're living in, in that's, that's the, I guess, the we, the us aspect. It's, it's this, um, what's this symbiotic kind of uh, cohesiveness that you feel uh, when one, one partner gets sick or is hurt, you know, you, you feel that pain, you empathize. And when one is happy, these things are, I guess, I guess I don't object to the bubble image anymore because it really does <laughs> keep people in a bubble. Did you, when you were a kid, did you have this thing with, you know, blowing bubbles or bubble gum or anything like that? I do. I don't know. I just, there's something really, uh, really special about the fragile nature of bubbles. <laughs> Well, then we don't want to use that for a relationship, do we? Sure you do. because I, And I think that's part of the importance of it is that it is fragile and, and you have to, mm. yeah, like you, you have to be aware of how to keep your bubble intact because it can be easily punctured. Yeah, I think bubbles are quite beautiful. And I also like the fact that uh, the bubble represents something that this idea of safety within it and also the exterior of bubble is is somewhat fragile and so it is delicate and something that requires our soft attention in order for it to stay intact because if you were to dismiss the 
beauty of the bubble, um, it could easily it could easily pop, and and that is where you might start to feel some discord. You know, as frightening as that is, you know that bubbles are fragile and they can pop. It, it it's it really does, you know, have some uh, some merit in in that you know we we can't take for granted, you know, our our bubbles, mm-hmm. uh, and and I kind of like that, but you know, it it makes it like I said, it's scary to think that the bubbles are that fragile, but I guess it's true, right? I mean, relationships, if they're not nurtured and protected, um, we we can't just, you know, become complacent. They right. are that fragile. Uh, you know, you, you're turning me into a bubble person. <laughs> no, really. Yeah, I, think, I think it takes a lot of compromise and understanding in order to find a way to keep the bubble intact. So I think that people that are willing to be open with one another can find a way to actually probably even strengthen the bubble because when you feel that your partner is taking the time and effort to understand what it is that you need in tandem with what they need, then I think the bubble grows thicker. Like there's more trust there. Now now you're pushing the bubble limit. Bubbles don't (laughs) grow. They don't grow thicker. Come on. Sure they do. (laughs) <laughs> but then they're not bubbles anymore. Then they can't float around and do their ethereal things. All right, fine. Wine, tea, whiz. Fine. So, what, do you want to contribute anything to my uh, my list of uh, what is important in relating? Yes, I. Oh, you do. That's that's good. Yeah, well, I do. No bubbles now. We're done with bubbles. Um, Are you, you sure? No. If you want to throw them out there once in a while, that's okay. Just, just. You know, don't overdo it because I don't want these things, you know, blowing all around the office. (laughs) You don't want these things popping all over the place. Okay. Uh, So I will add one that goes with the song you played earlier, which is to always find a way to encourage each other. And I know Mm -hmm. that, you know, learning to elevate other people, whether it's your in your romantic relationship or your friendships in my opinion, is one of the most important things. I, I think in this world, there's so much competition and we're almost you know, taught that if somebody has something, it means that you have less of it. And that sort of attitude in a relationship is toxic. And so when you feel any sort of jealousy around someone else's accomplishments, um, whether you share that vocally or not, it's still felt. So I think like really finding a way to understand that when somebody that you love is is accomplishing something great, that that actually elevates you as well. So like the more people in your life that are able to do great things and you're around that energy, like you also then are, are being elevated by their accomplishments. So mm-hmm. Yeah, encouraging, obviously encouraging people when they're having hard times, but also when they're having great times, like the best friends, the best partners are the ones that want you to succeed and truly genuinely feel your success with you. Yeah, I, I, I encourage is important. In, you know, we, we are all human beings. I'm a human being. Yeah, I like too. to be encouraged. Everybody, everybody loves to be encouraged. The encouragement part is is so very important. And we have to take that on consciously. You know, you can't compromise everything. 
I do a lot of couples counseling and I've done it for, for many years. And, and one of the, the more intriguing problems is how do we compromise on things where each partner is in a, in a polar opposite stance? You know, do we, do we go to a movie or do we go to a restaurant or do we go to visit your mother or do we go watch the kids play baseball? There seems to be a myth that everything should be a compromise. Everyone should, you know, each partner should come together and have a mutual decision. Well, you can't always have a mutual decision. And when you can't, you know, whether we go to Florida or to the Jersey Shore for vacation, you can't you can't have both partners being happy if if you are Florida or New Jersey on each side. So what you have to do is you have to maybe take turns. So let's go to Florida this year and let's go to the Jersey Shore next year or whatever it might be. So so compromise isn't always a possibility. And sometimes it's very important to realize that when you get into a stalemate, sometimes it's okay to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. So you know, we, we, we are individual people within this we relationship, but we're not always on the same page. So, you know, it, it, is, it is problematic if you think there's something wrong with your relationship because you don't always agree. So you have to find a way to compromise when you can and when you can't to take turns and when you can't take turns to agree to disagree. It makes common sense to me and I'm not in a bubble. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and a lot of times like attaching all of the um, anxiety or, or the fear that there's something wrong with the relationship because there's conflict um, is what makes it worse. It so it turns it into suffering when, it, when, if you could just do what you're saying, which is realize like, okay, so this time we just don't agree and, and let it be, that would be far less resistant way to approach it. You and I always agree, right? Always. It doesn't take much of a compromise there. <laughs> yeah, we, we do pretty much agree on that. We do. Yeah. We take turns too, just like we're taking turns now. Yeah. All right. So your turn. I just had my turn. Let's let's be fair. Uh, okay. Well, I would like to add uh, that being able to risk trust with somebody, like being mm. able to be vulnerable and share yourself with somebody else is 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 really um what brings two people closer together in friendships or in relationships and i think that when somebody feels like you're sharing that inner vulnerable space with them there's more of a respect and it just genuinely builds trust Mm. it's kind of scary sometimes huh yeah, but I, I think that trust is really built in in small moments because a lot of times people think that, you know, you build trust by, you know, rescuing someone from the wave at the ocean or you're, you have to do something big and brave to, to build this like strong trust with somebody. But I really actually think that it's the opposite, mm. that, that when, you're, when, you always, when you always show up in small ways, uh, that's, those are the people in my life that I trust the most are the ones that I know will be there for the, for whatever it is, but they've proven it time and time again. Yeah. That's great advice, you know, to, to kind of approach trust incrementally because it does require putting our guard down and being vulnerable. And, you know, that might be very intimidating, especially for someone that's a bit insecure. So take it slowly as 
Coach Lauren might say, and uh, and you know really learn to tolerate that kind of vulnerability because it is the foundation. It really is the bedrock of a great relationship. Hmm. Yes, I like that. So now, are we still taking turns? Yeah, we're okay. practicing turn taking. So risk trust according to Coach Lauren, and I'm going. You know, you know, I'm just thinking back with with again uh, advice. Typical advice, the, the kind of uh, boilerplate advice that I give to couples that I work with. And no matter what conflict there is, I always say to someone, be curious. Before you do anything else, be curious. So let's say your partner says something offensive to you. Rather than just getting angry, rather than retaliating and becoming uh, just as aggressive or nasty, be curious and ask your partner, I'm curious, why would you say something like that that is so hurtful? And try to elicit a response. So no matter what the conflict, be curious, find out, ask, and, and always begin the sentence in a similar way. I'm curious, why would you, why would you just hurt my feelings in front of so-and-so and, and not know that that's bothersome to me? Get your partner to talk about something that maybe they're totally unaware of, and if they are aware of it, to explain their hostility. So be curious. That's my turn. Mm, I love that. And that kind of dovetails on the next one I was thinking of, which is to be willing to change. So when you are curious and you ask someone to explain their their intentions and, and their, their reasoning, there might be a chance for you to not only be curious, but also to learn something about your own reactions and your own way of living. And perhaps you are able to change mm. and, and grow with that person. Um, so just having this willingness to, to grow. There's a song I love called grow as we go. Like you don't have to be separate to, to grow. Like you can grow as an individual, even while you are together. Can I grow right now? I believe you are growing <laughs> every we, moment. We, we grow every moment, one for the better or for worse. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so Lauren says, be willing to change. Yes. You know, we, we don't want to dig our heels in. You know, life is an evolution, not a revolution. We evolve, and relationships are, are really uh, they're organic things that, that can change and grow, and, and again, for the positive or the negative. So it, it really is important to, you know, to not just cling to a status quo, but to realize that a relationship can always grow and become better and more powerful. And that's not, that's not saying it's a negative to grow and want to change, because perfection doesn't exist in this planet, on this planet rather, nor does it exist in this world. But we can be on a path toward perfecting ourselves. And that is obtainable to be pointing ourselves in a direction that says we want a little more and a little bit better. I think that's a good thing. I think, I think it's a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. And my next, I, I was thinking uh, for a second ago, uh, what was it? Oh, he, when you are in a relationship that's filled with conflict, we tend to become part of that conflict. We tend to become part of the problem. And 
it is very important to realize the power of consciousness. And if you really want more out of your relationship, keep in mind, every relationship is a 50-50 proposition. And someone might say, oh my gosh, what do you mean? What if someone's abusive? How could that be a 50-50 proposition? Well, it is important because you you need to realize that, say you have an, an emotionally abusive partner and that partner is contributing 50%. So what could you possibly be con- be contributing? What could be your 50% if you're being abused by that? Well, if you're being passive, if you're doing nothing, if you are allowing this behavior to continue, well, that's your 50%. It's, it's kind of a negative 50%. But nevertheless, I think it's healthy to think what goes on is a 50-50 proposition because it makes you never a victim because you always have the power to use your 50% in a way that best is best for you and in turn best ultimately for the relationship. And one thing I would really say to anyone that is mired in ongoing conflict, reject conflict. There's no reason for it. It's a habit. It's a nasty habit. Let's bring our relationship IQ up a little bit, and let's realize that we have choices. We don't have to be shabby individuals. We can bring into bear our full maturity, and we can insist on being fair, on being reasonable, and most importantly, being mature in our relationships. Mm. You're mature, Lauren. You've always been mature. Always? No, not always. Yeah. I think of phone calls we've gotten in the night from your adolescent years. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, speaking of my adolescent years, I'm sure this one would actually work in perfectly, which was um, to give support, which you and mom always did, but giving support to other, to the person that you're in the relationship with is obviously really important. But what I mean by showing support or giving support is actually showing up when it's important. Mm -hmm. So when someone really needs you, making sure that you are there, regardless of what your desires or your own personal needs are, that you show that person that you are there when they need it. And another part of giving support, I believe, is really truly listening to somebody and using those active listening skills. Because I think so often what we do is we're so aware of our own thoughts and our own projections and the things that we want to say or respond with that often our mind is not clear when we're listening to somebody else speak. And so instead of actually listening to the words and allowing ourselves to truly feel them in an empathetic way, and then to respond from a place of true understanding, I think a lot of people don't actually hear everything that somebody else is sharing. So by being supportive, truly listening, I think is one of the most powerful ways to do that. Yeah, I'm sorry I wasn't listening. What were you saying? <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. Let me ask you a question. Okay. I mean, being supportive is critically important in friendships and relationships. But what do you do when you have a... a and maybe you don't have this, but a friend that can be at times kind of a bully. Uh, if you don't go with me, you know, I'm not going to talk to you. What do you do with coercion or threats, whether it be from a, a partner in a relationship, a marriage, or a friend that just is 
more, you know, egocentric and just tries to manipulate you. Come on, you've got to go now. And, and if you don't go, you're not a true friend. How do you, how would you handle that? I mean, you're such a, a, a compliant person, but, but in a healthy sense, but how would you handle someone who's being, you know, kind of threatening or threatening you? Well, I think you can use your discretion to understand when giving support or showing up for someone is, is important. If someone is constantly trying to coerce you into doing what they want and they don't show up for you in the same ways, um, that's where you start to draw boundaries. But in a balanced relationship where you're showing up with good intentions for others, uh, you would hope that they would be doing the same for you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really something that slips into a lot of long-standing relationships, marriages. I see it all the time in counseling, where the threat is some, you know, not even a veiled threat. Uh, if if you don't stop drinking, or if if you don't get home from work right after work, uh, whatever it might be, and you know, it's it's not a healthy thing. It's it's not you know we need to work with each other in whatever relationship it is in a healthy, mature, and fair way. And going back to what I said earlier, if if there really is conflict, the best way to get at it is if you can't understand it and you really are looking for the appropriate change from your partner is is to really be curious you know why is it you don't realize that this is important to me i keep asking you to do this and you just don't do it uh, so it's important to be curious but another thing that i and I, and i should i should point this out because it has to do with pointing and when i work with couples i always take my index finger and and i and i say do, you know, what we're typically doing is we're pointing a finger at a partner, at our partner, and we're saying, you need to do this and you need to start realizing. And you. so we keep going on with that, that finger pointing. And I take my own finger and I turn it around and I put it into my solar plexus. And I said, take that finger and point it at yourself. Do not ask your partner what your partner needs to do to change. Now, we're not excusing your partner for any shabby behavior, but what we're saying is, Take that finger, point it at yourself, and ask the question, what do I need to do to change myself, to better myself, to be a better partner? If you do that, and forget about your partner's shortcomings, just point that finger at yourself. What do I need to do to better myself? And maybe even get some feedback from your partner, what they think you need to do. But nevertheless, if both partners do that, you'll have a great relationship. If one partner does it, you won't. Because it takes two. So if both partners are willing to take that index finger and point it back at themselves, this is really a, a, a remedy for any relationship that gets stuck in this kind of yo-yo type of arguing back and forth with without really ever change changing anything. But if each partner takes the full responsibility and maturity to change what is not great or sh- what is shabby in themselves – then the prospects, I think, are immensely high that you will have a successful relationship. I like that. It's great advice. I'm going to point my finger right at you right now. That's not, that was not your advice. I'm pointing my finger. Lauren? Not I nice. Know. I wouldn't point my finger at you. <laughs> I know. Have we covered all that there is to effective relationship or is there a few more tidbits? 
Well, I think we could probably add in some more. Okay, let's quickly do that since it's now been 17 hours since we've been making this podcast. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> um, I think that another one is is to be sure not to use guilt or shame to make somebody else feel bad, but instead to try really to connect with your partner from a place of empathy. So I think it's kind of what we were saying earlier, but mm -hmm. instead of just placing blame um, and making them feel bad, trying to understand beneath their action, what is the emotion? Like, what is it that's making them act that way and try to connect from that place, that vulnerable place of emotion and knowing that we've all felt the same emotions before. So if it's coming from a place of pain or frustration or anger, whatever it might be, like just trying to connect to that part of the person, the human part underneath of the actions. Um, and once you can do that, it, it makes it easier to really try to understand instead of place blame. And that's, that's, that's pretty important. You know, it's guilt or shame. It's, it's so insidiously dangerous in a relationship. You know, it's like, and when you try to make someone feel guilty in order to get them to comply, oh, it's okay. If you if you don't want to make me happy, I don't mind. You know, it's I'll just go on being miserable. You don't you don't have to bother. Uh, so you see, that's that's such a, a, a how would, what would we call it an anemic way to try to aggressive. <laughs> what's that? It's passive aggressive too, right? Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it's people rely on these strategies. And what it does is it creates, uh, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously, it creates relationship frictions. And it's the last thing you need if there's conflict in a relationship is to use strategies that create resentment or more insecurity on the part of your partner. Because, you know, guilt is a feeling like you've done something wrong. And that's exactly what the passive aggressive partner is doing is trying to make you feel like you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I like that, Lauren. That's a good one. That's a good one. Don't mm. use guilt or shame. Hmm. You know, I'd like to add one more thing, and that's don't make idle promises because it really what it does is it, it, it kind of brings up expectations that only get dashed, bringing up more frictions. For example, let's say I'm, I'm just a lazy guy and I just sit around all day on the couch watching TV and my partner just wants to get out once in a while and go for a walk and do something. And so I sit there on my couch and, and I'm saying, you know what? I promise I'm going to get up and start moving around. Just, just give me another day or so. I promise, you know, and then another day or two comes and goes and you, you're still watching your programs so what happens to the partner that bought into that? Well, it's just one more, you know, kind of depressing element that just keeps, you know, getting the air out of that bubble. Bubbles lose air, right? Yeah. I don't know. There's Depends that, on the bubble. Every time we, we kind of dash somebody's expectations or hopes, that bubble gets smaller and smaller. So don't make idle promises. Mm, love it. One more thing I'd like to add uh, also is is just to be honest, which sounds so simple, but um, I think being you're honest- not, You're not suggesting I'm being dishonest? Oh, you're not talking to me. 
Uh, well, I think you should be honest too, but yeah, I'm not suggesting being dishonest. Although obviously sometimes, you know, you don't have to say everything uh, to your partner or your friends that is bothering you. But I do think if it's something that you believe could be improved um, or, or there's a way that you're feeling, I think um, our feelings are always valid and should be shared with another. So being able to be honest uh, with somebody can really be a way for you to grow and also the other person to grow as well. So people typically appreciate that honest feedback, especially since it is often vulnerable to share. What about, um, honey, I, I just ran over the dog. Well, yeah, that, that one you're going to have to fess up about. Oh, boy. oh, Lauren, geez, we've been talking so much here. I forgot. Do you know what time it is? Oh, great. It is self-coaching pep talk time. And today's pep talk, true love. No matter what your relationship condition, whether with a partner or intimate friends, starting today, put down your insecurities and petty defensiveness. Open up your heart, just as importantly, your ears. Actively listen to those you love. And remember, an intimate relationship is a we, not an I proposition. It all begins by taking responsibility for your own behavior. There is no excuse for shabby behavior. Demand maturity. Take responsibility for your actions and your shortcomings. But most importantly, be willing to risk vulnerability and trust. You can't trust without putting your guard down, and you can't love without trusting. In short, living a life of love means courageously opening yourself up physically, emotionally, and spiritually to another person. Do this, and love, true love, will find you. You say that every love week. Love the love. I know, they're really good. Yeah. Very inspirational. Yeah. I, I hope, you know, I, I do I do believe that relationships are, and it's so important. You know, I see so many people come to me as a couple when they are in dire straits and hopeless in many cases. And most of the time, it's a matter of communication. And just helping people relate more means to help them communicate better. So taking responsibility, as you say, you know, listening, no shame, no guilt. These are all just practical ways that you can take charge of a relationship. And the last thing you need to feel is that it's hopeless. That's a myth. It's not hopeless. It's not rocket science either. It's really a matter of just dissecting what's going on and figuring it out together. Mm. All right, Lauren, every week I ask you. Did you prepare any last words? I did not prepare. What any is last with words, you but... every week? It's the same. <laughs> he goes. I'm. I'm shaming you now. Every well, week, it's the <laughs> same. Diet. Lauren, geez, when are you going to prepare something for a closing? I typically don't prepare much at all, so maybe I need to um, step it up a little bit. Right. But well, I well, I I didn't prepare it, but I do think that uh, in a in any relationship. There's only one person that you can change and that you can control, and that's yourself. So I think that taking time to realize what it is that you truly want 
to be different and then finding a way to change yourself and often the changes in yourself can act as a catalyst for the people around you to also want to change so you have a lot more power than you believe well you just you just bailed yourself out here and you you got through Phew. But what about, come on, next week, please. Come on, can but you give I, it a how shot? Do prepare closing remarks before I even know what we're <laughs> going to talk about. <laughs> Seems oh, like a hard assignment. Jeez, I don't know. Not everyone can write pep talks like you, you know? Yeah, thank you. You're, mm -hmm. you're just being sweet because, you know, you forgot your closing remark. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, Lauren. It's okay, Lauren. You know, if you don't want to do it, it's okay. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> and if next week you don't have one, you know, it's okay. You know, really doesn't, doesn't doesn't really hurt my feelings or anything. It doesn't leave me hanging and it's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna blow you away with them next week now. Little bubbles. All right. And visit, by the way, Lauren, I want you to visit too. I want you to visit our website, selfcoaching.net where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, check out my number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless. And you are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me every week where Lauren will have her closing remark. And let's make it simple together. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make.